Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to View with Mike G, the show of wine, the show of Denver, the show of Austin, the show of being married and operating an urban winery with 360 square feet of space to live in. We are talking today on the one year anniversary of the Infinite Monkey Theorem Winery Austin location. We're speaking with Aaron and Meredith Berman, an amazing and beautiful married couple working together to bring great wine to Austinites, just like they did in Denver, Colorado. I got to try the Chen and Blanc and this rosé in a can, and I've got to tell you, this is an amazing, amazing juice, and I hear the tour is a great experience to meet the makers and understand the process. So I hope you guys enjoyed this chat with Aaron and Meredith Berman. It is always great, especially on their one-year anniversary, to talk to a married couple about how you run a business together. say that it's amazing it's all, <laughs> everything i've ever wanted but the reality of the situation is it's very stressful yeah and Strain, is it stressful in the sense it's like actually strain on you guys definitely yeah. yeah yeah definitely like who we are and like i think i mean the hope and i think it has been to this point is mm. that it makes us stronger together especially yeah. like as we have kids and as we get older yeah. but it's definitely strenuous it is hard and it's hot out and it makes it worse <laughs> it's uh, it's so it honestly the heat has been a really big factor isn't it our really aggravation yeah. yeah you know how many people i expected would kill each other in tennessee williams place <laughs> <laughs> Just this year like this year humidity the <laughs> world oh my god so but yeah that just compounds it all it really yeah. does and especially coming from colorado right because because i know yeah. aaron you lived in colorado did you as well i did too yeah. so yeah. that's now i love austin it's great <laughs> weather-wise kind of a down yeah it's yeah it, that's that's put it lightly i think we both went through this big summer depression yeah um which is not when you're supposed to go through your depression right it's, it's supposed to be weird, in the winter yeah. but it is it's very clearly summer for us where you realize your options are limited in what yeah you know we're capable of handling no i get that too it, there's a period in it i don't know if it cor- corresponds to like the shift in the summer and just seasons how they shift but dude i'm like why am i feeling dark Oh yeah. yeah. What's the why? You know. Yeah. Does it make definitely a lot feel of like that too? <laughs> I I, th- I think it doesn't help that we live in like 370 square feet with each other. Yeah. yeah. And that's like we're just always, which honestly has been why I feel like we've had such a great marriage is because we love spending time with yeah, each other. Yeah, yeah. But um, I think getting this place up and going was a new um, frontier for us. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I've worked my worked with my wife. That's how I met her. And then she left where I work. And I was like, oh, yeah. I'm kind of bummed. I really do like it, even if it's all the time. Like, we're kind of like shoulder to shoulder. But there, you do get some intimacy from that. Definitely. And going through these struggles together, of 
yeah, I think we we've learned so much more about the individual facets of each other that I don't think we would have known. I mean, maybe even 10 years down the road. Because it's, we live together, we work together, and we do it all on one piece of property. Yeah. And so there is no escape, right? It's it's a constant, uh, it's a constant interaction with each other. And I, you know, I think as we start to transition into a new phase of yeah, life, yeah. having a kid, it's it's one of these things that we, I think we have a head start. I think so too. I mean, you're going to, it's forged more solidly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. I just, I don't know why I keep thinking like games of Game of Thrones words, but you know, don't is, get uh, him started. <laughs> I will. I will. It'll be over. I promise. Best, I promise. Best series ever. We were, dude, we could start, start talking about shoes <laughs> yeah. or bands from Leeds, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, yeah, don't get me started. There's, there's a lot of good stuff. Well, so then it begs the question you've got this amazing second satellite location for the infinite monkey theorem. But this is the thing you guys watch The Simpsons at all? He yes. did. Yeah. Do you remember? All right. Yeah. The yeah. Monkeys at the th- of course. The best yeah. of times. It was the worst of times. <laughs> yeah. The monkey goes crazy. Yeah. Goes, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> so the concept in itself that you know you st- stick enough monkeys in front of a typewriter that something brilliant will be composed. That is for the model that I was reading about in Colorado. That's a brilliant way to do it. So, but before we start, because that's like the goodies, right? Like talking about how you guys started in Colorado, but. Let's go back. So, Aaron, for you, were you a math kid? Were you a sports kid? You're pretty damn tall. <laughs> <laughs> Basketball, maybe? Um, I played tennis and rugby. Ah, oh, there we go. Yeah. Rugby? Yeah. Oh, so I, uh, I played both in college, and I always grew up like playing a lot of sports. Yeah. And I have this dad who's uh, a doctor and like very mathematical, mm-hmm. and I have uh, my mom who's like an artist. Yeah, and I really felt like I got both of that. Oh, you're so lucky. So yeah, it was it was like a, an art project or just being able to you know get by in math just because I I felt comfortable I guess. Yeah, and it was a big deal when I went to college because like like we were just talking about this before like you need to I feel like there was so much pressure to make money. Yeah, and to do something that you know you had to make money and I just said screw it I'm just gonna be an art major and I'll figure it out later no kidding so that's what I did did you grow up in Colorado then? yeah yeah I'm from Denver is that could I know you went to business school I guess getting your master's outside of the states right in Leeds is that correct is Leeds uh, where I think it is no well, no. no no it's it's uh it's in Boulder so oh, it's no it's the University of Colorado business school oh god it's, it. yeah, it's called the Leeds oh, school yeah. of business yeah 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 Man, we're gonna talk about gym uh, for a second but I guess no no, no. <laughs> yeah and um undergrad I went to one of the Claremont colleges oh cool okay. Pitzer College in what, LA yeah. what was this straight and narrow path before you kind of diverged into art was it? I was pre-men. No shit, you were yeah, pre-men. Yeah. Any kind of specialty yet? I had no idea. <laughs> if you're an artist, I was like, maybe cardiology. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Something, like, something from the heart. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was, I mean, art's great. And what piece of it was interesting to you? Do you actually paint or draw or was it the art history part? I'm the worst drawer ever. <laughs> like, I cannot do anything, I guess, from my like own talent i yeah. like recreating from old things mm-hmm. so i got really into essentially recycling like the work tables from um the art studio like oh. i literally undid these two foot by two foot square tabletops yeah. that had years of like paint and crap all over them and then i would use them in like my mixed media pieces where i would do like these collage styles do an ink transfer and it would transfer into that background and 
the whole idea for me was I was reusing something and there was history embedded in the art piece yeah, that you that you can't like just visually see. That's crazy. Do you like working with your hands then sound like Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That makes you the perfect guy to work at a, something involving booze. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> the guys like you, you guys are with this like slight beards that like use their hands. <laughs> That's like my whole staff right there. <laughs> I mean, I definitely break a lot of things. That's but, okay. You know, that, like, but you're like, I'll, I know, I'll figure. At least I know how it works now. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty brilliant. Yeah. So, did you finish then ultimately with? Well, cause so you shifted into a business degree, but does that mean you have to step away from doing art to do that? Um, I, after college, like I knew I was going to go back and kind of do, uh, MBA yeah. somewhere. And so I continue to like w- do artwork for my friends and my family. Oh, cool. But I think over the years, obviously, um, it's dropped off a ton, which Meredith always tells me I should need to get back into, but it's hard. Cause yeah. it's like this, it's like a fling you have. And yeah. I know it in the most positive of ways, it just, but it always calls you back. You can never get away too long. Yeah. You know? And you know, when you talk about. The beautiful package design you guys have in those those capsules is beautiful, like kind of obviously the, the standard kind of foil capsules, but then you get this great gold architectural kind of pattern on it and stuff. You had, did you have input in that? Uh, no, that was actually, oh. yeah. So <laughs> the, the bottle designs came from a graphic design uh, artist in LA yeah. who did album covers. Oh, and cool. so we kind of presented this really cool concept of like, we want it to be graffiti, urban, gritty. Yeah. And, and the infinite monkey theorem. And this is what came out of that. Does it not remind you kind of of the Doolittle from the Pixies cover? That's kind of what I was thinking when oh. I first saw it. Yeah. I guess so. I never yeah, thought I about thought it. about that. Yeah. But that's, I mean, but yeah. that's, but that's cool. Yeah. That's no, no. Yeah, it's definitely. Kind of works, right? No, no. I do. Yeah, yeah. No, it does. Um, I mean, the whole idea was like, we wanted it to look like someone had graffitied over it over time. Yeah. You know, and there was that history and like all those artists that went into it. You and history again. Yeah. Well, I yeah. think that's a oh, good a thing. Yeah. 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 But it's paying homage to history is what makes things successful in the present day. If you ever try to recreate things, like fonts are a great example. You can create new fonts, but you always have to harken back to those like old types sure. of fonts. Because it's just, there's something subconscious about the way that we consume that stuff definitely well so then i gotta ask the same thing i've read a bit about you meredith and so wine is a piece of it in in argentina i think but growing up are you the same kind of athletic really strong and tall (laughs) rocky mountain going no (laughs) so the opposite i was like the kid who wanted glasses and braces and at the same time and and i had them i had my wish uh, that is a tough really, go. Really did bookish. Go. Yeah. I was a super nerd. Um, Colorado kid too? Colorado kid mostly. Um, we moved there when I was about nine years old. So my dad uh, is from Baton Rouge. My mom is from Austin and, and oh, Houston. Wow. And they tried their best to give us a Colorado lifestyle yeah. and, and you know take us up skiing. and Oh, the, uh, the natural kind of lifestyle. The natural yeah. lifestyle. <laughs> right. Yes. And, you know, it was... It was so much fun. My dad was such a trooper. He would take us up. You know, we'd get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, drive all the way up to the mountains, do our ski day, and my mom would come with us sometimes, um, fall down the mountain, and quite literally wait for a Texan to come by and help, like, pick her up because, never, you know, no one else had the time to yeah. deal with this. this. Everybody's just, they're in the fast lane, man. Texans fast lane. kind of enjoy this. Yep. If we had juleps here, well, I mean, we do, but we, if we had big, massive park swing or porch swings, we'd be out drinking. 
It's so true. Yeah. You're just looking at stuff. It's Sweating exactly around. what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so why? So the book is, is bookish a good word for it? You can mention that. Like, did you were you pretty erudite reader and all that? Yeah, I would. I mean. I would like to think I was. I think yeah. I actually made me more look the part than actually was. Um, but I was definitely a shy kid. Definitely. I mean, I love to study. I love to write papers. I love to yeah. do all of that kind of stuff as what, a kid. But. What did you enjoy? Which subjects did you enjoy? Are you an art person as well? Or is it more English? Or? Definitely more English. Yeah. Um, I just love research. So, really? Yeah. Any, t- any topic or just anything? Uh, interestingly, I... As a kid, my like crowning achievement was uh, writing this research paper about um, uh, marriage and the the Jewish and Christian versions of 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 what it means and like the traditions that surrounded it. Really, that uh, is not exciting to me. It's <laughs> I know to many people. <laughs> I love being married. It's great, but like it, I just want to take it for what it is, you know. I grew up in a really religious family. And so we had, you know, it was like all about biblical studies, oh, right? See. And so for some reason, this really picked my interest. But it was kind of a uh, a forbearance because Aaron's Jewish and I'm I'm Christian. And I, I just remember this as a very monumental paper that I wrote wow. when I was in sixth grade. Like a premonition. It really was. It really was. And uh, I just, I've always found that really uh, peculiar. I don't know, but I I love like comparative that. studies. Like so, that. yeah. I always go to music and movies, but was there maybe an artist or whether it's musical or like straight up artist that you really identified with during that period? Desiree. <laughs> you don't remember Desiree from the nineties? I don't think so. Oh. No, and I. Is that the song where it's? Um, uh, I know this song. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually also blanking on how it goes. There was like, it, are we talking nineties? One yeah. oh yeah, super nineties. Oh. There was like one song she was known for. Dude, I don't. Uh, I'm gonna have to restart. I'm making notes now. Oh man. Wait, which yeah. one is it? <laughs> yeah. No, I know oh this. Oh my gosh, what are the lyrics? Is it a pop is it pop? Yeah. It yeah, it's okay. like Is that Desiree where it's like, I'm a bitch? No, 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 no. That's Meredith Brooks. That's who am I thinking of then? It's something kinda like that. It sounds just like that. Okay. Okay. So but the strong Female solo vocalist that played guitar is that fair? Yeah, that genre effectively. Okay. Yeah, what she is, was a little so, more like R and B, but okay. Um, Did a, but there, there were guitars involved sometimes. Yeah, see that <laughs> still counts. What was it about her that kind of like you rallied behind? Oh, such a good question. I really and sometimes it's hard to remember in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I was such a deep child. <laughs> <laughs> um, I li- I think you hear and I like that she was like this lone female, which at yeah. the time, I think a lot of women in that genre were, were well, there just weren't that many necessarily, really or there weren't. were like lots of groups yeah. instead of just being one like one individual. And well, she has a raspy, deep voice. Okay, so kind of like soulful and yeah. sultry. But that, yeah. to, to Aaron's point, like Meredith Brooks kind of did some shit, you know. I mean, it's it's not one of my favorite singles ever, but at least like that kind of. Push it through Alanis Morissette, of course, during that ninety-five-ish, yeah. like I think. Right, that, that opens stuff up. I, I don't know if that's the same now, really. Yeah, I think I think things are so much more accessible now, and yeah. I mean anyone can can do it. No one has to be a. You don't yeah. have to work for. You don't have, it. You don't have yeah. to be a yeah. touring artist anymore. You had to yeah. discover it, right? Yeah, uh, Sam Goody or whatever. Oh man, <laughs> yeah. you were warehouse music. Yeah, sure. yeah. warehouse. Were they'd open the CDs so you could listen to it. Yeah, they, they also had little booths too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I listened to 10. so many shitty CDs. 
But you thought you were so cool when you were doing Oh, I thought I was like, cool as shit. Oh, so good. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm, I, I, I like Fugazi, right? Like, I'm so cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm so cool because I like Fugazi. But that's... <laughs> You're definitely cool. still cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I imagine then being into studying, being into academia and research, that college just ha- was absolutely part of the plan for you. Yeah, it was always part of the plan. My parents were very adamant on each of us going to school kind of no matter what yeah how many siblings you have? uh just a younger sister oh, okay. just one so you're setting the standard that's right she actually <laughs> we went to the same college we lived together during college really? we did the whole thing so yeah she's not too she's much younger now. than i guess no she's two and a half years oh, that's younger perfect. so you do it so where do you end up going to school uh, we went to baylor you went to Baylor? We went to Baylor, and it's all of its lovely glory right now. Are yes. you, were you, you weren't pre-med too, though. There's no way. Oh, hell okay, no. Okay, okay. No. <laughs> what were you studying? I, uh, I started business, then studied abroad, and decided that was ridiculous. And what, it's business in general or studying abroad? It, yeah, uh, business in general. <laughs> studying abroad, I still, I'd still be doing it now if I could. If I got paid to just, like, be a student in Argentina, for example, oh, I'd do I that. I would do yeah. that. Oh, for sure. Um, so I ended up international studies in Spanish and then um, oh, really? I had enough credits at the time to have a business minor. Um, and then regardless, also went to Leeds and did my MBA after. So no, I kidding. ended up back there, but, so it, I th- you know. I think, is it safe to say that that's where you guys met? No, Congrats. it wasn't. Oh. Really? I mean, like at upheaval, I'm raising my hand. And stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm so sure. What? No, we met... Um, Meredith had just moved back from Argentina mm-hmm. and I worked at this really small company like waiting to go back to MBA. Um, I think I had like a year till it started and uh, one of the people that worked there went to college with Meredith and okay. she was like, I think you'd like this girl. You shouldn't hang out. East meets West. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> For real. <laughs> Man, that's well, that's incredible. What was the company-ish that you work? What kind of stuff were they doing? Uh, we did uh, like marketing for home builder communities. Oh, okay. So I did a lot of the uh, using my art degree. I did a lot of the animation for the websites and the 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 ads. Yeah. So, but this rich cornucopia of skills that again make you the perfect dude. <laughs> <laughs> he <laughs> to is to work at a vineyard or to work at an urban winery. You know, getting your hand. Oh man, we're we're almost there. We're almost there. <laughs> so. I would, you know, I do want to talk about this because this is actually the perfect way to talk about how it's nice, light, and kind of a bullion talking about how you guys meet or drinking a Chenin Blanc. Is that right? And this one is a Colorado wine, or this is a Texas wine? This, this is Texas. Oh, rad. Yeah, this is a Texas wine. We, um, we're really excited about some of these grapes coming into their real Texas identity mm-hmm. um, because, you know, for a long time, Texas was planting a lot of grapes that were selling in the market internationally very well but didn't grow very well in texas and we do so, that shit yeah it's it like marketing here. marketing yeah. it yeah. doesn't work if it doesn't work don't push it that's right but chenin blanc is one of those that's actually you know, seriously actually works growing well exactly. where in texas does it typically grow up in brownfield which is uh just south of lubbock oh really but, as exciting as the name makes it sound <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> the big the big uh thing is like it even though we are in Texas and yeah. Shannon Blanc does grow here, it's the acid isn't as high. So you can't make that real crisp, like South African yeah. style Shannon Blanc oh, that tastes like a Semillon Blanc. Mm. So that's why we actually um, put this in barrel and aged it on the lees. And it has really? like a much rounder flavor. It profile. does. It's, it's almost uh, silky. 
Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, not, yeah. it's not too, like, to your point, it's not too acidic. And keep in mind, you know, my palate is burned all the time by nice barrel strength <laughs> bourbon or whatever, mezcal. But, like, this is still really, really whole. You know what I mean? It doesn't feel disconnected. So, how, about how long in barrels typically do you find work? Um, for like a white wine like this, we'll yeah. do eight to 12 months. That's I think great. this one was 10 actually. Yeah. yeah. It really helped bring it all together. New barrels used to barrels. So we, we try to use 90% French and 10% American and mm. we'll go through about a third of our barrels and buy new every year and kind of rotate it out. Wow. Yeah. And this one, a pretty popular, uh, skew for you guys. Uh, we just released it oh, really? uh, a few months ago. So, really? um, yeah, it's, it's. It's really great. It's like obviously it's a better kind of like winter cooler climate type of wine yeah. since it doesn't have that high acidity. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think we're really proud of it. Yeah, what we like to do is is kind of like test these in the tap room before we release them to the distributor, yeah. so we know exactly how to sell them. You know, to someone who's not directly in front of you where you can have the wine. So when the distributors out there and they're like, what are the tasting notes? How do how do I sell this thing? We have we have our own tasting notes, of course, but in the course inevitably of selling this to people in the tap room, you know, it's like, oh well, this is this is the this is like the summer reader wine, right? Where mm. you're on the porch and you're you're reading this wine. Or we've got one, our Petite Sorrel, we call the Ernest Hemingway wine. Oh, nice! It's like tobacco, cigars, brooding, you know, leather, yeah. fighting, right. yeah, exactly, <laughs> all of those things. Yeah, I love it. So they get these these personalities, these characteristics, and so so. We, that's kind of the benefit of having the tap room yeah. in the city is that you get. To it's like a test. Oh, it's so, okay. Right. It's technology. Technology. Well, so, you know, this is perfect for relationships. You know, you're talking and then. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I <laughs> told you to put it on. I'm like, anyway, I've got to take this call. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a lovely one. And we got a few more too. That's going to really, it's going to really uh, facilitate this conversation. It'll be brilliant. <laughs> so I thank you for that. So now we're here. Meredith is, she's doing the school thing. You got a friend that says, hey, man, you might like this girl. I don't know why, but you may like her. So yeah. did they set you up on a blind? Is, is that exactly how? Yeah, we. it was kind of like a third wheel style date where we were supposed to meet downtown and the whole day. At the time, I lived kind of far away from downtown Denver. So I was mm-hmm. kind of in and then I was not in. I had was playing softball. So I went um, back and forth the whole day. Yeah, Uh-oh. it was like the third wheel was yet to be determined. Oh, like, no. I didn't think it was going to be me, but it was. <laughs> yeah. So I finally committed and I drove down. And yeah, the uh, <laughs> I walked up and <laughs> Meredith was there. And I think I expected someone different, but not different in a bad way. Like right. she, <laughs> she just wasn't what I had pictured. She was very dressed very professionally and yeah. looked like she had her shit together which isn't to say that i thought she was a person that didn't i just it was a little shocking and i think you were really pretty and so it was just like i feel like so many times when a friend sets you up with another friend they're so wrong yeah it just doesn't work and i was like oh this is interesting like nothing what i was expecting yeah so at least you're intrigued you're like all right okay i think this would make make a good conversation and well at the least well, I hope that she kind of felt the same way about me. I don't, or if I had to. He had to grow on you, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I just, the back and forth the, the day of kind of annoyed me, to be honest. Oh, I'm sure. But yeah, it's like a bad move. It's a bad move, right. Just being the dude is like, I'm doing this thing at this time. I'll be there. 
Right. Everybody loves that. <laughs> Especially in this <laughs> industry. That. Oh, my God. But then, so we, we get drinks at one place and decide, this is fun. Yeah. We'll go to the other place across the street. And when we walk in this bar and there is like a gaggle of beautiful blonde girls that really? all are like, Aaron, Aaron, hi. Oh. And so They he, were my friends. Which I didn't sure. know. Right? Oh, okay, okay. Uh, so <laughs> he just leaves my my friend and I for about an hour, and so th- I think I was like, "Well, that's that's the end of that." All right. Oh man. So I, bad moves. I, bad yeah, moves. I didn't know they were gonna be there. Yeah, They're right. My, like good friends. He probably he's probably like, "All right, okay, so what's the escape plan?" <laughs> right. All right, right. Hey, guys, can you show up at? The, we're gonna go to this bar, but just in case, <laughs> I need to bail. <laughs> exactly what it looked like. Oh man. But I chased them down. I found them at another bar and hung out and then walked her and our friend back. And as she got in the car to go, I was like, you know, hey, can I have your number? And I, th- I don't think you wanted to give it to me. <laughs> Were you fed up like at this point? I, no, like I a was player just... or something? Kind of, oh, right? A good, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah, there's something, you know. Something to, no, I don't get that yeah. now. He's mellowed out, obviously. <laughs> right, I mean, man. He's been oak. His wilder days. Oh, the guy. <laughs> but it, I mean, really, it took me like two weeks before realizing this is this is the guy. This is, this is it. That's, oh, really? <laughs> I called great. a bunch and she like would not call me back. Or one time she called me and I asked her out and she said, I have to check my schedule. I'll call <laughs> oh, you back. Man. She's Which I knew was BS. At that point. Yeah. 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 So we, she essentially told me that we could not go out on a date, that we had to go on more group dates. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we did. Because he wasn't used to working for it. He told me that I was the first girl whose number he'd asked for, which is ridiculous. I'm like, well, <laughs> how did you date? Because they just gave him to me. I don't know. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> That's totally He's so not tall. True. I mean, uh, he is so tall. <laughs> like, you play tennis? Here's my number. <laughs> Because that's real life, right? Totally girls, real life. Girls love doing this shit. Like if that. I learned anything from Vince Vaughn movies, <laughs> is that tall guys get numbers just handed to them. It's Straight the up. truth. Automatic. It's gospel truth. So <laughs> we finally, she finally said we could do a date, and it was the debate night versus uh, which o- one? Yeah. Obama versus McCain, the oh, first one. Geez, and, that's a while ago. And then the rest was history from there. How was yeah. the debate? Did you guys enjoy? Did Who you rally? knows? I don't we didn't even. Re- I don't remember the debate. Me neither. I don't think anybody does. Yeah, we. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty <laughs> unimpressive. It was, it was bad. <laughs> we had our first kiss and it was great. And yeah, now we're ha- gonna have our first kid. So it's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Kiss to kid. Well, there yeah. you go. Kiss to kid. That's how it happens. The, the funny thing I always like telling is that when I was on the train with my coworker, who was Meredith's friend, when she first said, "Hey, I have this friend coming back from Argentina." Um, I think you guys would get along. I said, okay, well, who is she? I'm going to look her up on Facebook, right? Because that's obviously what you do. Due due diligence. So I type it in, and I was like, what's her name? She's like, Meredith. So I type it in. um, I type in Meredith Pilcher, and after uh, nothing comes up, and I'm like, whatever, we were talking. I'll figure it out later. It's like 24 hours later. I'm just randomly checking Facebook again, and I had accidentally put it in my status. So for like an entire day, my status to everyone oh, was man. Aaron Berman is Meredith Pilcher. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's just like a funny thing I really like. True, right? Never typed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's really the epitome of empathy. You know how it feels to be a woman. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really, really important thing to happen. 
Well, so how long was it before? Did you had you guys been? Well, actually, so when you got back from Argentina doing business school, were you, what were you doing? Just doing the school thing full time and keeping busy so with that. I uh, so I graduated college and then moved to Argentina for about a year and worked. Um, that's where I found wine. I kind of stumbled into it. Yeah, I didn't have intentions of doing that. Was it was alcohol a thing with your family growing up? By a thing, I don't mean like this rampant problem necessarily. <laughs> like long <laughs> line. Of, like, yeah. is everybody cool with it? There's a bottle of wine at dinner. Yeah, all. I think my parents rarely drank. Well, I guess I can't remember. I, I mean, I definitely remember them having wine around. Yeah. It wasn't, we weren't. Um, no, it's just a nice yeah, dinner or whatever. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, college, yeah, different story. And then. Argentina, yeah, I started to learn a lot more. I was in Mendoza, so yeah. I mean, it's 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 textbook, right? Um, but yeah, came back and then worked for my family's company, um, which is something totally opposite of wine. We did security beer. No, I'm just kidding. no yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's where beer will get you if you have too much. We did uh, yes. security for um, correctional facilities. Oh wow! Um, so it, and mostly like. The, the stuff that, you, that can't yell at you. So the, the cameras and the doors and wow. the locks and things like that. That's crazy. Um, my dad's an inventor. And so he has a few a few lock and door patents wow. for this. And it's a very bizarre, interesting industry. Yeah. Um, All I know is orange is the new black about it. Or Oz. Right. In the day. All true. It, All it true. Kind of, it yeah. feels like a lot of that. Some of it's like, yeah. I can see that. that. Yeah. I can see that. I don't want to go to jail, really. Yeah, it's, that's pretty much that's where I landed. I don't want to go to jail. You don't. Yeah, you don't. Good. Did you get any exposure to that? Like seeing? Yeah, we had to go in a lot. Um, it's weird. So, you know, like the same thing in wine. Like you tour people around your your facility, sure, right? And yeah. did the same thing in these jails and prisons. Is like this is our camera. This is our door. Blah blah. blah. And meanwhile, they're just and the inmates. Are inmates. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, inmates. Is that <laughs> turn them into some all, right, all oh, maybe. struggling for their existence? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Part, they're all, you know, they're victims of their own surroundings. Yeah. Oh. See? So they're terror. Are. They're <laughs> cultural it's terror. So Jeez. That all never highly thought. shaped by them. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but at some point, you're like, kind of not my thing. Yep. Yeah. It yeah. took me about six years to to decide it's time to move on. But outside, outside of the industry itself, it was, uh, I just felt very fortunate that I got to watch a business grow from, you know, a $75 yeah. sales order to these multi-million dollar contracts Amazing. over several years. And just watch my my dad and his team, how, like how to navigate that. I don't right. think, you know, when you're in your early 20s, you don't get that benefit no, of seeing how a business runs. And it's when, when there's money, it becomes real. Yeah. But it doesn't change you really? That's the weird thing. It's like, well, I, whether I was losing 100 or making 100, I still feel the same. So it's just true. a matter of just how a business evolves, you know? It's like, oh, cool, we're making money now. Yeah. All right, what's next? we got to keep keep doing it, Same keep on. filling those orders. And then when you guys are making wine, it's like a commodity. It's a, a bottle that you have to keep manufacturing. You know? There's so much to that. But I imagine the wine piece still was of a lot of interest. Were you drinking more wines, learning more about it? Way more. Yeah. Being drunk way too often. You know? <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> it's research. <laughs> totally. It's right research. off. And we, <laughs> we always knew we wanted to do something like professionally yeah. in that industry. We wanted to stop having it be a hobby of ours. Yeah. That was, that was one of the cooler things about us dating and growing together yeah. is that um, everything was very intentional and, and especially both of us coming from entrepreneurial families. I think we'd, we'd both 
really desired that and yeah. wanted to do something. It's a perfect storm of stuff. Yeah. What was it the moment that, or, or a series of moments, when wine to you became such a like an inspirational thing where like this is the thing that we want to do this is the thing that we should do i think like my whole life i just was more drawn to wine for two reasons one like i always wanted to be different and everyone drank beer right? <laughs> natty lights you know yeah, oh, yeah. The top of the world and i wanted to drink <laughs> wine um, top of the world referencing a spot we would drive up yeah i mean cul-de-sac as a kid oh, <laughs> oh all right um and uh my other thing is like I had this family, my mom's side in Italy, who had this like we still have a family like compound there. So like there was a historical reference too and wow. and like visiting it and, and being like, This is not far removed from my great grandmother essentially. Sure. It's um, in your blood, literally. Right? Yeah, yeah. So it's fun. It's something like I knew meshing like the art with the business was going to be something very startup entrepreneurial and yeah. it just seemed like a perfect fit since you know obviously winemaking is making wine but sure. it's it's branding and oh it's marketing. everything yeah and um i just knew with her background like i remember when we recorded like a 10 minute conversation when we were up in the mountains like on a ski trip it was just the two of us where we had defined like this is what we're going to do in our lives mm. and um you know, it did, I mean, we're still pretty young. We were probably only 23 years old. So. Oh, wow. And you guys are making those kinds of <laughs> What is wrong with us? I know. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Quite the contrary. Yeah. That's pretty brilliant to, to come to those terms so early on. If I, you know, if I'd done that shit, <laughs> maybe I'd be wearing pants right now. Okay, okay. I think it. I think Patty it. Patty Whitey's are nice. Don't get, <laughs> don't get your son down. <laughs> I think it's it was you know fun and something we felt that was hey we could take a big risk right now yeah yeah what year are we talking that was like when we made that recording I want to say it was like two thousand nine oh wow okay yeah something like that yeah that's brilliant and then Aaron got involved um, with the winery like way ahead of of when I did but that that was also really cool watching watching like, this tiny little thing start to really get a get, like catch a slow burn and then yeah. just blow up you know it started in denver and it's just like austin where people are so brand loyal and they want to support people who are working really hard and Absolutely. diligently and i mean it, it felt like overnight from an outsider but really i mean it was just super late nights on spreadsheets and the conversations and the you know the excitement and the anger and all those things that go along with with the startup yeah it turns becomes real it's, yeah. It's oh, an, yeah it is a kid you guys are having a second kid. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Each yeah. product is in its in its own way, like this own being, its own voice, its own brand, its own color, you know, all these things. It's an interesting thing to go through with somebody. And now, yeah, I didn't, my wife and I don't go through that, so that's good for her, I think. <laughs> <laughs> just, I'll just, I'll go gray and like be the one that's real stressed. That's probably better. <laughs> and internalize like a real man. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right. So when we talk about Let's say this this next chapter is infinite monkey theorem is kind of coming together. Let's take another, let's sip another bottle. Which one yeah. do you think would best punctuate this? I think we should do the rosé, right? Yeah. Let's yeah. Do it. Okay. So what? Yeah. So while we're digging into that, I was at the airport in San Jose on Friday. It was a wine bar, but luckily they had some bourbon, so I didn't hold it against them. And so <laughs> I sat up at the bar trying to wait for my flight. 
And there was a woman that came in, probably a successful business type woman, you know, maybe hipper than most, probably in her 30s. And she goes and she sits down and she says, do you guys have any rosé? And they look and they go, no, we only have like cabs and some Syrah and stuff. She's like, oh, she seems so damn disappointed. What is this amazing resurgence or emergence of rosé? Why is this happening right now? Do you guys know? I haven't even thought about it. Yeah, it's that Instagram account. <laughs> is it really? I really, I mean, <laughs> He's Aaron's they, like, I feel like she tapped into something that was kind of about to about to start rolling, and then, I mean, I don't, I don't know why. It's don't get me wrong, it's fantastic. Rose what is Rose what, is. The oh, I love Rose. But what's this account? I know about it's, stuff. Uh, it's not uh, Rose all day, is it? Yeah, well, that's one of them. Rose all day, and then okay. White Girl Rose came out. Oh, I've, I've heard of that one. Also, um, oh my gosh, I claim pregnant brain here for a second. No, that's good. What's that one? It's it was the first one. Yes way rose. Yes way rose. Yes. So you think it's it's a fabric of culture now, like I, social? I think from a uh, from a white girl perspective. No, from <laughs> a you know, <laughs> I think a different perspective <laughs> is you know you had for the longest time you know, white Zinfandel, yeah. um, these sugary pink wines, and that's what people thought rosé was. Right. And then you have this resurgence of real, we'll just call it real rosé. Yeah. Um, real Zé. Yeah. Real Zé. Oh, see, you're the next <laughs> I account. guess m- traditionally oh, made rosé. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is, you know, dry. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, with tons of uh, structure in it and, and great profile as well. And I think it's just, getting that more out in the open, getting it more acceptable. Yeah. And then, you know, it just kept on going. Is it the gin? So is it the gin of the wine world? And why I say this is that gin is a gateway, a gateway booze, right? Because what you do is you give someone a gimlet, right? So some lime juice, some simple syrup, and some gin. Like, oh, now I can drink gin. It's not scary anymore. So let's go, and I'll go get a Boulevardier now. And so then you start getting these Amaris and these pastices and all these kinds of things. Is rosé the thing that makes it okay to like wine? Is it a gateway type? I think I would say that rosé is almost like when someone drinks a lot of wine, yeah. they get start getting into rosé. Interesting. So it's yeah. the opposite. Yeah. I think that there's, I don't know if you could pinpoint it. I think there are some varietals that are much more gateway varietals. Yeah. Um, Chardonnay. Sure. Um um, Gateway varietals. Yeah. <laughs> and you're, you guys are the dealer. Right. Yeah. Cab Sav, you know, yeah, yeah. things that maybe people, and, and this is honestly what we built our business a lot on, is like pe- they feel comfortable saying yeah. and they feel comfortable ordering. Amazing. And I'm not sure that's a good thing. I'm just pointing it out. No, but that makes a lot of doing. sense. You're not going to order something that you don't really know how to pronounce. It's, exactly. Right? It's Because you want to be an empowered buyer, an empowered Orderer across the bar, and you want to be able to know what you're tasting. So, I mean, if you're going to have a Chardonnay from California, you know that it's going to have mallow and it's going to feel very buttery. Mm-hmm. And then you, as a drinker, you know what you're getting. Yeah, it's good. It's always good. So, you guys make this brilliant. Is this eight? What's it, six and a half ounces? Yes. Yeah, so this rosé um, is in a can, and yeah. it's eight point four. So it's a uh, two hundred fifty mils, same as a Red Bull. Amazing. Yeah. And um, we do a, a, a red, a white, a rosé, and a moscato. So kind of go into that whole idea of like it's easy to say, yeah. it's easy to pronounce. Um, this is actually made of Merlot grapes, this rosé. Mm. And with the can, we try what? Syrah. 
No, sir. Oh, so, I'm sorry. You're right. <laughs> totally messed that up. Well, she, I sorry. mean, <laughs> that first. Well, so the first sip, I'm like, it was like electric. Yeah. It was so good. Yeah, it was so because it has so much flavor, so much depth there, and it has a little bit of carbonation too. So yeah. we we carbonate it because um, you know to stack it and get rid of the oxygen when right. we can. Um, and I think at first when we started canning. Um, we were one of two companies. It was us and Sophia. Um, that yeah, we had a couple can. of them. Yeah. yeah. So we were trying to figure out ways like how to can without doing a nitrogen dose. Okay. And so we carbonated the product, and we thought that was a bad thing at first. And we ended up realizing that it's actually kind of interesting because it gives it an effervescence that people in the activity in which they're doing are kind of like, well, this makes a lot of sense for canned wine. Yeah. It's it's so, but it's so crisp and so textured at the same time that's something that i'd never you know not to disparage but i never really got from the champagne or the sparkling that they put out in the cans right like this is something really really nuanced in a can because most people this is like over delivering because people don't expect things in cans that size to be all that good yeah they get the job done yeah but how long has this been out then so we first in 2010 launched uh, a black muscat that was all from Colorado. We only did 10,000 cans to just figure out what would happen. Yeah. And then in 2000 and really, uh, really, I would say 2012, we launched all four SKUs, wow. like, you know, from a standpoint of yeah, a real yeah. launch. Um, and so that's how long. You know, it's been out for about three or four years now, and I would say it's really caught on in the last year or two. Really, all can wine has caught on. Yeah, this is. I mean, this has got to be really popular for you guys. This yes, is, I mean, incredible. Yes, there was a point where like our business was like two percent can wine, and now it's like the vast majority of our business. That's incredible. So for bottled wine, we stick to the two wineries mm-hmm. um, that produce, you know, bottled wine from the state obviously so the denver winery does colorado grapes in a bottle mm-hmm. and keg and then this one in austin does texas grapes you know in a bottle and a keg so crazy and so one of the things is because now we're talking into let's talk about the physical you guys pick a location you start operating and you call it an urban winery that's brilliant which i've which i've grown to hate though <laughs> so, oh, 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 all right all right why is that because you I think urbanity. No, no. I think at first I'm like on board with you. It was great. It was like changing it, and yeah. now I think people give it a perception, a negative really? connotation. What like, do, what kinds of things do they think about? Oh, you're just you know, uh, you're not it's a real like winery. Yeah, yeah, you just. But who's do- that coming from though? Idiots. <laughs> <laughs> right? Is it coming from people that just really want to enjoy something that's made with some heart? I think it's people that maybe just don't really know about what a winery actually is yeah because really we said urban winery just because you're literally taking the same exact winery that's in a vineyard and you're just putting it in the city yeah absolutely but i think what has now developed is this other idea of what that means as an urban winery with you know whether it's with other places that claim to be wineries and they're really just you know bringing juice and fermenting yeah whatever or just someone just doesn't understand the concept Mm -hmm. and you know needs to come in for a tour and and we'll go through it and kind of show all the exact. Those people in Williamsburg that fuck it up for the rest of us. Oh, it's farm to table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Craft, eh? Well, that's yeah. really brilliant. But no, it's. It, I'll tell you why I really kind of side with it. And you can. So we're in South Austin. We have a distillery in South Austin. Is it an urban distillery? I don't, who gives a shit? I don't really <laughs> care. 
it's just smart in terms of overhead, right? So mm-hmm. it's a manageable space. You have the same space all the time, bound to be a slab where you can get work done. You can ferment. If you want a temperature control, you can. It's really just being calculated in how you operate this thing. I think so. I mean, what was the main reason you guys chose to do it that way? I mean, I, I don't know. It's a startup cash. I mean, that's part of it, I'm sure. Well, when you think about like the traditional like machine <laughs> yeah. of wine and vineyards and the way it works, it's like people are always traveling to the wine region. Right. And, you know, that's great. Um, you go on a vacation and you see the winery and the vineyard and you do your romantic tour and this is the winery you found and then you come home and you tell all your friends, hey, this is this cool wine I went to go visit. But yeah. none of your friends vi- visit that winery. Right, right? it's cash, cash prohibitive. And, depending, right? and that person, like they're still telling all their friends, this is a winery that I went to go visit. But if you simply just bring the winery to where the people are, in the city, now it becomes their winery, everyone's winery, everyone's brand, yeah. which they can all enjoy and like all be proud of in the community. Wow. And there's like a dialogue that happens between, you know, the the winery and the community in terms of whether it's like volunteering during harvest or bottling, yeah. and you know, people actually being able to put their imprint on that. It's like Stranahan's, exactly, right? Because mm-hmm. those guys have those bottling parties and yeah. That's, I think that's a really great way to engage your community. They want to be a part of something. Not everybody can start a winery. Not everybody can start a brewery, you know? So that's what celebrity is. Is You know, we appreciate that guy's really attractive. I bet he has a lot of sex with a lot of attractive women. Like, <laughs> that's not a bad thing. I'd hang out with him. You know, like, that's just, it's just success. It's, you are, you emblemize it, that's even the word entrepreneurship and people admire that because some people don't think they can do it you know it's part of it as well people want to be in like the ground level too like yeah. being a part of it before it sells out you know totally. essentially not saying we're going to sell out but no, I know, the but idea it, is like obviously we're a lot bigger than we were and there are a lot of things that um i think you still get obviously in denver that now we've replicated down here in austin like when we started in denver yeah but obviously other things have changed Totally. Um, you know, for better or for worse, I don't know. I, I mean, I would I would hope there for for better for the well, people. It, people are gonna hate you, or they're gonna they're gonna love you, and they're gonna hate you. Then they're gonna hate you. Then they're gonna love you. <laughs> I mean, so you, you talk about Fugazi, right? <laughs> they never sold out, so people are like, yeah, stick to their guns. But like, they're working at cheese shops and stuff now. Like, they could have <laughs> done something, and I, I I appreciate that. But it's okay if you want to go bigger. Sometimes it provides more opportunity. And how long were you guys in the Denver spot before you, this, it is Denver proper, right? Yeah. 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 Before you decided to, to do the extension. So um, we started in 2008 mm-hmm. um, in the Santa Fe Art District, actually, which is right by Stranahan's. Oh, cool. And uh, we started in a World War II Quonset hut. So wow. it was about 1,800 square feet. And like a Quonset hut is not the best shape to be stacking stuff in, right? Because you can only stack down the middle since uh, the roof oh, is... Gotcha curved and um it was a lot of like trying to figure out where stuff was yeah and we had this kind of crappy office space and then a courtyard where we would host like a first friday artwork party so we didn't even have a tap room we just did wholesale and we just did um like tours and tastings at the winery wow how did you meet the the owner so um so I know you, you're probably both partial owners. I didn't mean to. No, no, yeah, no, no. The uh, 
so Ben and I met through, um, so Ben is the winemaker and founder. So, uh, his, so if you look at all of our bottles, uh, his father died of cancer Mm -hmm. and he was working for a a winery on the Western slope of Colorado and his father died and he wanted to, um, you know, do something, you know, kind of the impetus to, I want to do something for myself. Life, you know, it's fragile, that sort of thing. I'm ready. And so, um, he came down to, to start this winery. So one of the places he sold at in Denver, um, the wine buyer there was a friend of mine. And um, as, you know, he was selling, she she had mentioned, you know, hey, you're getting this winery going. You should talk to this person I know who's in business school right now and is very, like, you know, startup oriented. You know, you never know. So we reached out. We got introduced and we reached out. And, and Ben had started and, um, um, you know, starting a winery is like the worst business model. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. so if anyone is listening <laughs> that like wants to start a winery, don't do it <laughs> or do it <laughs> but beware, yeah. <laughs> because you're literally sitting on product and you're not selling it before you have to buy the next year's product. Right. So if you grow, it's just not sustainable. Um, so he, uh, he, he was kind of at that point, right? The brand, he was selling his first, uh, vintage, um, not enough money. Um, there are issues, uh, people just weren't on the same page. Right. Uh, it was just him and, you know, some friends and family and some angel investors. I don't think people were on the same page on um, which boat to be in and which direction they were taking. Yeah. A lot of egos involved. And, and it was, and I was a young, I was. Pup. Yeah, I was young coming <laughs> in with one. some, with some, you know, eager to learn business stuff from MBA and just wanted to implement it in the real world. Right, right. And it worked out great for Ben because he wanted to just focus on the winemaking and he so it gives him the, he can go in his own little happy place yeah. and you can deal with operations I'll right? deal with yeah business <laughs> CFO, operations is that right? yeah, yeah yeah so at first you know they didn't have we didn't have any money um, I said I'll just help out we'll see what happens later yeah um, so I worked there for three or four months and we kind of got it righted and going in the right direction to the point where I think Ben and I both kind of looked at each other and we were like alright we have to continue this, this you know amazing we're going the right direction. And so kind of at that point, it was like official. It was the two of us and we were going to go out and raise more money and change the business plan a bit yeah. and, you know, take it to the next level. It's incredible. When did you get involved, Meredith? Uh, I and the rest of Aaron's friends got involved at the start. Whenever he did. <laughs> Not the <laughs> we same were... friends from the bar, though. <laughs> yeah, right? right. No. <laughs> Actually, yeah. um, unpaid, of course. It was just that random volunteering where, yeah. you know, you're, you're like, Sure. It's your, lunch, it's your lunch break, and can you come? It's harvest, and the grapes are in, and and we would all help bartend too on these first Friday nights. That's so cool. Um, but actually, getting paid that happened about a year and a half ago. Wow. Um, so pretty recently. And so it's, is it the Holy Trinity of <laughs> Ben, yourself, Aaron, and Meredith? Well, <laughs> no, have, no. So. <laughs> so we've we've had so when we when we started it was. The two of us, and then, sorry, two of us, myself and Ben. And then we went through it. Actually, Ben's wife worked for the company. Mm. Um, and then um, we had other employees, too. And so by this point, when we knew we were going to open up Austin, we had, um, I don't know, maybe 12 employees. And it just made a lot of sense for Meredith and I to come down here and yeah. start because... Some family for you, right, Meredith? Some family for me. We were looking for an adventure. I mean, it yeah. was time to yeah. kind of spread our wings a bit. You know? A hot, sweaty yeah, a adventure. Hot, adventure. Yeah, we, <laughs> yeah, we grew up in Colorado. It was time for an adventure. And 
we could because you know we didn't have any kids yet yeah. and that sort of thing and so it made a lot of sense that just the two of us could start and run this operation what was it about austin that drew you to it same kind of vibe as denver yeah we wanted to look at a place that was very similar mm-hmm. um and obviously i wish i would have known a ton of things that i knew about <laughs> but yeah something like um young uh college-like because of boulder sure oh well, i mean you have du and yeah, cu yeah. denver um you know food scene um you know like hipster style sure, a lot of beards yeah yeah a lot of beards yeah um uh, a massive up like emerging brewery and distillery culture so you fit right in. i mean lots and and honestly like a lot of outdoor activities here that although it's not mountain oriented they're everyone's doing the same outdoor stuff yeah yeah. uh, in their time schedule i guess so that's that's kind of so it works yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that's what we kind of were like. Okay, Austin has got to be the place. That's amazing. Then you have then you have this big you know, like grape area. Yeah, that is kind of underutilized right now, and there's good grapes. It's just a matter of you know more time, more love. Let's figure it out. So then we're talking November of 2015, if I understand correctly, from your wonderful PR representative. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually came down and uh, we came down and. I oh, came yeah, down you did. February. Ahead of time, right? Yeah. yeah to That's get the project kind of rolling. It opened, right? To the public, the tap room was November. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We did our first vintage, though, Texas in 2015. Well, so it's perfect. Let's. So we've got, I think, is it the Texas Merlot that you've picked? Yes. That it would be the perfect. Right? Yeah. Again, yeah. you know, accoutrement. The, the <laughs> Texas, <laughs> Texas chapter. Texas. The smelly Texas chapter. <laughs> But you came to the right place at the right time. You know, you're talking February of 2015. Yeah. You have probably 10 times the amount of breweries and distilleries that you did just five years prior. It's something that the, the TABC has started to embrace. Yeah. You know? Cause they changed that big law with the tap room. That's right, yeah. And then allowing, I guess, you and I both to be able to sell at the facility. Correct. Now, given there's some limited perspective to our particular industries. But, like, that's a big big change definitely did you know about those changes beforehand no oh really <laughs> so it was we just like, like you we show thought up and- we literally thought it was going to be pretty straightforward kind of like denver we had you could have a tap room or a winery you right. could sell on site sure. and then i'm glad i came down you know 10 months early to figure all that stuff out yeah. and run around like crazy has it been a not easy process, but has it been a pretty amenable process? Like getting this set up with the state and the county and all of that? Yeah. It's been pretty good. I think, it, you know, as long as you, I mean, go into it knowing that it's a process. Sure. And just making sure you put effort into it <laughs> yeah. instead of not filling something out. Wait, on you're paperwork. not going to fill that out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I, right. I think it's like that in every state. I sure. mean, it's alcohol regulation. Oh, yeah. Because there's money. It's yeah, all about money. it takes you know it takes a year to get a federal license. So oh, does it really? Yeah, I mean something for I mean it can. I yeah, mean, nine nine to twelve months. I mean for the state, you know what's six months? Yeah, that's nothing. Crazy. So we're now sipping. This is the Texas Merlot. Yeah, I so this has got to be a crowd pleaser, despite Paul Giamatti and Sideways. Uh, mm-hmm. Despite that, mm-hmm. even though I love the movie and he seemed like a very pretentious gentleman. That's right. He's sad. Super Very pretentious. Sad. But his meeting on the Merlot. Yeah. Yeah. You well, do it. You love that story. <laughs> well, two things. It's an MBA case study. Is it really? Yeah. Because Merlot sales dipped because of that movie. Oh, my gosh. And also, people don't get that he hates Merlot 
because that's his wife's favorite wine. That's right. what he drinks, you know, in the... He doesn't find it pedestrian? No. <laughs> <laughs> I swear. I that's thought what that, he makes it look like. That's what he makes yeah. it look like. Alexander Payne didn't do good job. <laughs> his, <Yeah>. best, <laughs> his best bottle was that bottle at the McDonald's or whatever it was. That was the best yeah. thing ever. Sad, but it's good. Yeah. Heartbreaking. But yeah, it actually hurt Merlot sales in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> but there's... Texas Merlot somewhere. Where does that grow here? So same place uh, up in Brownfield. Um, So all of our wines are up in Brownfield except for one, which is our sparkling wine we do. Um, That's made with a Blanc de Bois from the Hill Country as a base. And we do that in like the traditional uh, Champenois method. Um, But this Merlot, it sits on oak for, I think it sat on oak for 13 months. Um, and then we, so we recently uh, just bottled it actually. Oh, very cool. So, so we, this one's recently bottled? Yep, recently bottled. And we did this in a Tempranillo for our two reds for That's 2015. So cool. What do people, how do they side with the stuff that you offer? What is some, what's typically their favorite when they're in there in the tasting room and you get to have those conversations? Um, this is, oh, sorry, this is the Hemingway one, the tobacco. And the no, tobacco. this is no? the Hemingway one. Oh. It's, this is yet to be named since it's so new. Oh, wait, hold on then. Yes, I know. Oh, as it, <laughs> You seem well read. <laughs> I've seen books before. Give us a name. They have words, I think. Yeah. <laughs> no, but do, yeah, how do the customers feel? They. This is the great thing, again, about that tap room is that um, people start to really love Texas wines after coming in because mm-hmm. we can put it against, you know, a, a wine from a more popular region. Um, but people oh. are loving this one now. They're loving the Tempranillo. Um, but our blind watchmaker also is is generally one of the higher, higher grossing. What is that one? It's it's a blend every year and every year it's different. Um, this this year it's a mix of our Texas Cab Franc and uh, our Colorado Cabernet Sauvignon. So yeah. it's kind of our like our roots wine. It's where we come from in both locations. Um, and it's it's that one always just sells really really well. I think people are starting to appreciate blends more. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times they had a bad reputation for being just whatever you know whatever the winemaker had left. Um, whereas truly I mean, in, in the old, in the old tradition and, and what winemakers are really doing is, is selecting, um, a good marriage and yeah. that takes a lot of effort and it it's takes mixing. a lot of, yeah, it's, I it's mean, hard. It's, it's literally mixing. It's like mixing yeah. an album. It's like, what, what are the notes? That's the same kind of conversation and, uh, almost like contention between, in Mezcal. People are like, well, it's a blend. It's like, yeah, but these varietals are so different. You can't get everything. Yeah, you have to blend them. Yeah, you can't. You know, the Beatles wouldn't have been the Beatles unless everybody brought in their unique thing, and that's why it works. Is that it's filling in that empty space with these other types of flavors. So people so are more amenable to it now than you're saying than they probably ever were. The I, in the U.S., yeah, yeah I think yeah. so. And and I guess I would say even more specifically our markets that we know the most about. Um, but yeah, I, but we also do do a wine slushy, and that oh is, nice. <laughs> You know that that's just like work. takes yeah. the cake. Yeah, yeah that's by that's far the most popular. A lot of popular. fun to do. Yeah, we use we usually use a little moscato in it to yeah, you know yeah. give it that floral sweetness. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, oh yeah, genius idea. <laughs> it's so good. I love this Merlot though the, from Texas. I'm like really happy about it because it it has like all our wines are you know obviously uh, fruit forward, but this has like a, a really great like cherry like blackberry I, taste to it. So mm-hmm. I can. Talk, well, I, you know, I hate tasting notes. That's the best thing. Right? When you get to a certain point, like, fuck, dude, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's so but, like, true. there's something really creamy and kind of caramelly to me about this in the back of palate, you know? Sure. 
and it makes it so it's got all the fruit and the brightness then all of a sudden it gets kind of sweet and wholesome at the end definitely which is like so i was trying to think you guys have this hemingway what do you talk about the the ways to describe the wine Hemingway was no way sweet. He was never. No, what an asshole. <laughs> but Fitzgerald might have been. Oh. And Tennessee Williams absolutely might have oh. been. Right? Like hanging out, you're deep, you're passionate, but yet you're still concerned about the human condition. Hemingway didn't give a fuck. I don't think. <laughs> right? Like he's just like soulless at times, you know? But like it does feel that way because it is nuanced again, and but it's still very accessible and then it just has this just wholesome, unctuous finish to it that brings people in and they can feel like they can hug you all right so you're going mm-hmm. to see williams on yeah, this yeah I, like right. I like that too shall be named right, perfect, <laughs> perfect. Well, that's, a, that's the only reason I have that was over. easy <laughs> <laughs> so what kinds of so you guys have a particular is it do you call them tours when you book at the the winery yeah we uh i mean you can come in it's like a tap room you come in if you want yeah um whenever six days a week and then we do three different kinds of tours the public tasting tour um, how many people does that involve typically it's a max 25 okay and you i mean it's they're so fun you get people from all different groups coming in and 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 rubbing up against each other and yeah. everyone's really prickly at first but the you know the the more wine you drink of course Absolutely. the stories start to <laughs> start to fall out sure. oh yeah, yeah. ridiculous questions um, that's the, given, the best right? way. more alcohol I was curious <laughs> yeah. like one of those things love so bachelorette right? parties <laughs> oh geez yeah. they're so fun it's about when you get two on a public tour together that's like best day ever it's, wow. they actually have a really good time and then we do private tours same kind of thing only couple. in your own space yeah. yes and then uh, barrel tours too so barrel oh, tasting really cool. so we pull straight from the barrel um, or the tank depending on where the wine is and yeah. its evolution. We'll usually pull like from the reeling rack to one of the yeah. sparkling oh, wines. Oh, nice. Yeah. Which is really cool because it still has all the, the chunky yeast in it, which yeah. sounds extraordinarily appetizing. I no, it's but good. It's it gives interesting. it some bite. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, good texture. <laughs> yeah, it does. I mean, there's a lot of, there's, or rather, there's, there are some wines that aren't filtered, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah and those sure. are the ones that are kind of funky and they give you all this depth that you would have never expected. Definitely. What is a personal tour run? A million dollars. No, they're they're fifty. It's very approachable for everyone. Yeah. Uh, they are thirty five. Oh, that's person. really yes. Yeah. So we go through like five different wines. It's it's more hev- heavy in like the tasting because mm-hmm. you know the facility is only six thousand square feet. Only. But we do take you back, <laughs> um, and we do tour. But I, I would say it's definitely a little bit heavier on the tasting and the explanation of the notes yeah. and t- t- well, not explanation, really talking through sure. the notes. And education, too, because our whole deal is let's not make this more complicated, right, than Absolutely. it is, than wine is. And so if you want to learn, if you're like a gateway person, we will give you a one-on-one class in this tour. And that's yeah. it's so fun for us to do. We love that. If you're well-seasoned and, you know, you know you know what you like and you know why and, and you've traveled the world in wine, we can do that, too. Sure. Um, all, all it's, learning. It's fun. Level, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you guys both facilitate together? Do you split it? Aaron does the bachelorette tours. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you he's were like, you guys yeah. used to play tennis? <laughs> yeah, he's got a lot of good material. I just, I, I, yeah, no, the dog runs up to me and I just hold the dog. It's like, and the girl's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> he's so wholesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was my impression of a woman. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah, well, that's good. Uh, well, no, we actually, um, Aaron and I will fill in, but we've got a, 
kick-ass girl. Her name is Kat. Yeah. She's, we call her the conductor. And so Amazing. she does um, a lot of the tours She's now. Great. Yeah. So how has Austin been for you so far? The really? people? Oh. Slower. Yeah, is it's slower. Way of life, yeah. But I, oh, I see. the okay. people are, I would say they're not nice, they're kind. I mean, they're, oh. they're more, they're, they're just more like loving and involved and want to see you succeed and help That's you so succeed. Cool. And yeah. so. Like yeah. a family, an extra family. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, yeah. It's a southern pace of life for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm very anxious person, so it's been <laughs> better a bit of a adjustment. I can't believe I made you sit down for an hour. <laughs> I know, look at him; he's so still. My parents would be so proud. <laughs> well, Paid a lot of money. Why has the comic <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I I mean, I think Meredith's right. Like everyone's been really um, kind and and inclusive yeah. of the winery and the brand and wanting to learn more. And be involved. I mean, I am very surprised, like, how many people show up for when we have volunteer calls Mm -hmm. and just love it. That's so cool. And they show up, like, day after day. Like, we did bottling this last week. And we did five full days. And about half of our people were repeats. Wow. Just over and over and over. It's crazy. That's. I mean, that just shows you the booze culture, which, rather, I'd call it a culinary culture. Because alcohol is parallel to, to food. I mean, there's the same kind of complexity and layering of flavors and all of that, you know, and the pairing. So I've got a, two more questions for you, and I promise then we'll, this whole ordeal will be done. <laughs> so you guys have a lot of retail presence and restaurant presence and things, it looks like. How How's that going? Where are some of your the great accounts that you like to go visit that have your stuff? Yeah, we've got a few love affairs. Um, our <laughs> first, our first um, customer was Cilantro, so we have oh, a cool. really yeah. special place uh, for them. They're they're great to work with. They I carry bet. a lot of our cans. Same kind of uh, ideology too. Like they were younger kids, like entrepreneurs, right? Yeah, making those yeah. crazy burgers. Watch, well, yeah, they were they do make a burger, don't they? Cilantro. I think they do have a burger, but the kimchi fries and yeah. the like, tacos and the tacos. Yeah. still my heart. Um. <laughs> And then we, we, I really love this kind of dichotomy we have. Like we're in, we're in Whole Foods, mm-hmm. but we're also in Tom's Market and oh, Farm cool. to Market Grocery and, um, you know, South Lamar Wine and Spirits. These, oh, yeah. these, Sola pizza great. yeah, yeah. Um, just a lot of. I love being at Vino Volo in the airport. Oh yeah, oh, that's like man. really, that's so yeah, cool. that's really cool because, you know, they're awesome. And when people first come into town, it's just great. Or when they're going out of town, right. you know. I think it makes them feel like that community aspect. Absolutely. Yeah. Perfect bookends for the community. You yeah. know, you start there oh, and yeah. then you end there. Yeah. People buy the cans like in mass too cuz you know, the airport shuts down kind of early. Yeah, yeah. And you can't get a you can't get a beer, you can't get a, a wine. And so they buy the cans and take them on the plane and it's I'm, I'm not that advocating cuz so, whatever. No, that's I can't brilliant, say it, though. but it is, is brilliant. That is absolutely yeah. brilliant cuz yeah. it's not too big to get you in trouble. It's not too small to not have a good time on the plane. Exactly. <laughs> New slogan. It's exactly <laughs> what you need yeah, on that. that exactly. It. That can is a third of a bottle. That's perfect. And it's like the same alcohol. Like our cans are, you know, 12 to 14%. Yeah. They're not watered down. This <laughs> <laughs> is legit good buzz. So I imagine you have this amazing collection. We, we tried the Chino Blanc, which I'm, I'm still trying to get the varietal names right on this stuff. We talk agave. I can do it but for, for grapes. <laughs> and then the amazing canned rosé and then this Texas Merlot. All very different, appealing to different parts of my personality and imagine your customers' personalities as well. What is 
next? Do you guys want to keep on expanding to new great cities? Do you want to, well, I know you're going to keep putting out new labels, but what's the next thing on the horizon for you guys besides the baby? (laughs) (laughs) That's it. We're shutting it down. Okay, fair enough. We'll see you guys. (laughs) We're, um, so from a company perspective, we're opening another tap room in Denver. Really? So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, It's kind of on the other side of town um, and where the old airport used to be. Yeah. And um, I want to do something like that here, too. I w- we want to, you know, expand kind of the taproom feel in Texas. Yeah. Um, and Barbara and, Jordan area. I'm telling you right now. Yeah. yeah. Mm. We, we, uh, we, just, we just kind of want to keep on making it accessible to people. Mm-hmm. I think that's the important part. Is retail a real big focus for you guys? It is for the cans. Yeah. Because obviously that's kind of the whole. Bread and butter. Right? Yeah, the no whole problem. idea of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, chains, but we, we want, um, people to realize like, we're not just selling out on these cans, even like the cans are great, right? It's not, it's, we're just providing something that's, I think makes a lot of sense. Sure. And again, goes with our brand of being accessible and approachable. But at the same time, we want people to know that we're also working real hard in the back, like crafting these Texas or Colorado wines, um, for you as well. That's amazing. There's so much going on. It's I love it. You guys are making, I mean, really brilliant stuff. I love That's like one of the best parts of this gig, right? To have people to the house, learn about their lives, get to see them fall in love all over again. <laughs> <laughs> and then sip these wines. And you guys have done an incredible job. And Thanks. it's shrewd, too, from a marketing perspective. You know, a rosé in a can, even if some other people do it, I doubt the depth of flavor is going to be anywhere near what you guys want. It's you. not. Yeah. No. See? There you go. <laughs> Meredith knows. Unbiased opinion. I mean, I didn't say this earlier, but like our whole thing with canning, we said we are not going to do it unless we can put the same like highly rated great wine we do in a bottle in yeah. a can. And like, because it won't work if we do, if we skip out on that. Yeah. It's, it's really lovely stuff. And I absolutely will come down and visit. I'd love to get the tour. 6,000 square feet. That's like... <laughs> Yeah, that's brilliant. We'll <laughs> yeah. give you a discount. Also, <laughs> that song like is "You've Gotta Be." You gotta. Be. You gotta be by Desiree. You it just be. came to me. Oh, you yes! gotta be. Yeah, yeah. 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 think of that. That's so funny. That is a song. That really is. That really is a song. You gotta be. I've heard that. Song. Oh, yeah. Love the. Uh, <laughs> this is good. This is good. Well, I mean, now I know where I'm going on Spotify now. <laughs> yeah. Obviously. Yeah, you'll be there sense. all night. No, yeah, it's more than normal. But. <laughs> really great hearing the story. Really great getting to taste the wonderful work you guys are doing. And we'll make sure we're in the neighborhood. I always want to make sure we'll send people your way, too. Cause Thank you. You can do a crawl. Yeah. They'll get boozed yeah. up and then wind up. I yeah. love that. <laughs> or wound up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 But it's been brilliant. Thanks so much for chatting, Aaron and Meredith. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for having soon. us. Well, there you have it. What do you guys think of Aaron and Meredith? It's great to hear the story of how they met, how it turned from a third wheel into love, into soon expecting a child. And now we celebrate their one-year anniversary, five years as a married couple, but one year as an anniversary here with the Infinite Monkey Theorem Winery, Austin location. The products are great. I love the marketing. I love the story. And Aaron and Meredith are just an amazing set of personalities to be running this stuff and Austin. I hope you guys enjoyed, you know, peering into how they met, talking about the 90s, talking about school, and really just kind of cracking into the kind of beautiful personalities that Aaron and Meredith both are. So thanks everybody for listening to Show to V. No matter how 
distraught and potentially emotionally broken you may feel after the election results this week. Do not despair, though, my friends, I am here. We are here for each other, and we will get through this. Or when you're thinking about The Walking Dead's trajectory over the next two seasons, please keep dancing.